IntelliKey Leadership Stories with Kirsten Gouldy and Mark Stenson. Connect with us on LinkedIn or visit our website, pureintellikey.com. Here's your host, Kirsten Gouldy and Mark Stenson. Welcome back, friends, to our podcast, IntelliKey Leadership Stories. We're the podcast for conscious leaders, leaders that are growing and making an impact in their organizations for themselves and also for the planet. I'm Mark Stenson. My co-host is Kirsten Gouldy. Hey, Mark, how are you? We're back here again for another podcast. You know, we just continue to have such great conversations with leaders who are innovating and building and creating, but a higher level, a higher vision, a higher purpose. We continue to speak with these beautiful global leaders who are galvanizing a new future for us. And I'm excited about our conversation. So today, our conversation takes us to London, where we meet Chrissy Levitt. Hello. Thank you so much, Mark and Kirsten. Chrissy is a founder and CEO. She's a lecturer. She's a creative director, a CIO of a global platform, all about encouraging and training and rewarding creative thinking towards social justice and sustainability. She believes that design thinking can be used to solve global challenges. Chrissy, what has motivated you and what's led you to this higher level of creative consciousness? In my youth, in my 20s, I worked for NGOs in the field, in the developing world, using graphics to teach people around the issues of landmines and getting refugees repatriated into different countries. Then I had some kids and I ended up working in a big agency here in London and was lead of a, of a team. We had about, I had about four design directors and basically what we were doing, we, was, we were designing and creating products that were killing our future. I mean, without being rude, I suppose I was designing and making products that people didn't need. And those products were destroying our future. Hmm. The, the abuse of plastic, the, the amount of sugar or alcohol and stuff that were in the, in, in the products that we worked on were, you know, bad. And I was miserable and I was unhappy. And a few things happened to me at that point. And I just thought, oh, I just can't do this anymore. And I went on a course, it was called a self-expression and leadership course. And in the course, everyone in the room was expected to build a community project. And the community project that I built at that point was creative conscience. And it wasn't, it's not being built by me. It's being built by a community of people. And we just came up with an idea and created a platform and put it out in the world. And it just took off. We had no media budget, no funding absolutely nothing and I think that's an amazing lesson just in that that you can create change just by being in action like you said because it's a great purpose it sort of catches on fire and then spreads from there huh oh absolutely I think because we now train and support people who want to make change in the world using their talents and skills we have online courses and we run workshops and do all sorts of things but if you've got an idea that is at the heart of it, doing something that is going to benefit the world, then, and you are brave enough to start telling people and you're mad enough to believe that it's going to happen, people will join in. 
And you can't build anything on your own. You have to have a community. You have to be able to collaborate and share. And yeah, it was it just came from that. It is just and during this course that we did, we were sort of taught the tools and were taken on a kind of a journey of how you do this. And it was just brilliant. And you were made accountable and had coaches. And yeah, it was just fantastic fun. And now it's my kind of job, if you like. Whereas for a few years, it was a side hustle. And now we teach things like conscious consumption and we get people to understand that everything we can do can serve people and planet and we can make money and we can change the world. Well, we're so happy to have as our guest today, Jennifer Thornton. Thanks for having me. It's going to be a fun show. We're going to be talking about executive development, organizational design, communications, and how we can not only work well as a team and as an organization, but also one-on-one and individual development. Mark, I love this conversation because where we're going, where we're coming out of from the I into the we and then beyond, we need community to help build because group dynamics is usually where our own personal development either works well or unravels. So we need to learn how to be in communities well and listen and hear and be seen also. Jen Thornton is our guest from Dallas, Texas, and her company is 304 Coaching. Jen, what are you sensing and what are you hearing these days from people who are trying to really improve this team communication? So, you know, the conversation has changed a lot and prior to 2020, I think that there were kind of two camps, a camp that was thinking that how they've always led was probably going to work forever. And then there was a camp that was trying to move the needle a little bit, thinking about what does leadership look like in the 21st century? So, you know, after 2020 and everything changed, I think that what I'm hearing is that those who are holding out for a day in which how they led in the past is going to work in the future, I think they're struggling, honestly. I tell people all the time, if you're waiting for the past to show up, it's going to be a long wait. You know, <laughs> it's, it's not coming. But people wait for the past to show up all the time and then they're disappointed when it doesn't. So, and I'm also seeing the conversation go from, you know, we became really directive through 2020. And that was on, on design, right? Um, crisis management had to be done. You know, if buildings on fire, get out. There's not collaboration. There's not what should we think we do as a group. It was buildings on fire, get out. And because of that, I think there's a lot of leaders stuck in this highly directive spiral. And then once they get directive, when it's not a crisis, then the people aren't responding. So they get more directive, which causes obviously it to go down. So I'm seeing um, people trying to get out of that spiral of highly directive leadership that, you know, by necessity may have needed to happen last year. Mm. Um, And then I'm seeing the fun stuff, right? People really saying, all right, you know, what does 21st century leadership look like? What does it sound like? How is it different? And one of the reasons I love that one is I think it's going to make better communities, but two, we're not necessarily hearing as much of how do you manage this generation or that generation We're talking about how do you manage people in today's world? And I think that's such a more productive conversation because then we're helping all of our employees and not selective groups that were, or all boats ride with the tide, right? And so I think that we're starting to see people recognize that some of their struggles wasn't a generational struggle. It was truly a leadership struggle. Well, our guest is Tim Peake. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be with both of you. 
He's a consultant with the Conscious Leadership Group, which is so clearly aligned with the topic of our podcast. Tim is a national news four-time Emmy winner. He headed NBC Next Media Productions back in the early 2000s. Currently, he's working with this conscious leadership group, working with all kinds of leaders and groups and teams to evaluate and assess and grow into their possibilities. And Tim, I guess as we get started, I love the fact that connecting with your news background, this idea of listening and questioning and having empathy with the person that you're connecting with. How does that apply to what leaders really need to be doing these days? You know, it's, it's an interesting thing because on the one hand, to be a leader, you have to have a vision and you need to know where you're going. And you might need to hold on to that vision pretty tightly because folks might not want to come along or might tell you that it's not possible, you know, especially in entrepreneurial realms. But on the other hand, effective leaders, you know, I like to think of CEO instead of chief executive officer as the chief energy orchestrator. Effective CEOs know how to set the context aligned with the vision, but bring people along. And, you know, the old way of doing that, command and control, basically ruling through fear. I'm not going to pay you if you don't do what I say. Increasingly, that does not work these days, especially with talent at all levels. You know, even at the lowest levels of the service economy, talent is a rare commodity. So you need to be able to organize and rally and hold on to people through other means and what we find is that empathy, understanding, and deep listening not only allows folks to feel like they're being heard, but allows the leadership team to learn more from the whole organization and really adapt in more effective and more quick ways. Well, we just continue to have such great conversations, don't we, Kirsten, with leaders from all over and all kinds of businesses and all sorts of lifestyles, don't we? We do. We cross every spectrum. There's no borders. We have people from all over with various modalities, disciplines, focuses, but all striving to reach potential for themselves and for others, which I, I find beautiful and unique at the same time. And that's exactly the areas we want to pursue today. And our guest is Winona Satcher. Yeah, thank you. I'm glad to be here and excited about this conversation. Winona is the founder and CEO of a terrific company called Makers Studio. I want to emphasize that pronunciation because there's so much meaning in that. I know, Winona, you'll tell us about it, but it's M-A-K-H-E-R-S, Makers Studio. It's a green manufacturing design build firm in Atlanta. And Winona and her team are using architecture and modular container manufacturing and all sorts of urban development principles to make space for people and make inclusion spaces in the communities there. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's really about what we, what I call creating prosilient communities. And you, you typically hear the term resilient, which usually is an afterthought, uh, after a natural disaster or after there's a catastrophe, you know, how do people bounce back? And often at, by the time you get there, the community has been uh, destroyed or dissipated. It's been stretched far and wide. And so then all of a sudden you don't have the, the fundamentals that make an equitable and inclusive community anymore. And you have to tend to start over. What we want to do is create what we call resilient communities, uh, which is a proactive approach to community building, to practicing community and creating spaces that allow for as many, much of a diversity of voices as possible. And in doing that is really understanding your role. You know, my grandmother was a huge community advocate, took part in a lot of sit-ins and marches here in Atlanta with uh, Martin Luther King Jr. and Raphael Abernathy, Andrew Young, other 
civil rights leaders. And you know, one of the things she said that made what they did so strong was that everybody understood what their role was. And sometimes that meant not being at the front. Sometimes that meant being underground and building new systems as old systems were being challenged. So what does that look like? And so I think for us, we're not really in the business of empowering people. It's really about uh, inspiring people to empower themselves, but using design, using the built environment as an opportunity to create platforms for people to understand and question and begin to dive deeply into what their role actually is. Uh, and then how do we democratize access to that? That's really what we do. I mean, that, the structure itself is, you know, affordable housing and modular construction and customizing shipping containers to create affordable residential, com commercial, and community spaces and affordable medical clinics and so forth. But at the end of the day, it's more than that. You know, it's really about the infrastructure, not just the structure. And what the, the equipment that you need to be successful, to create generational wealth, to lessen the negative impacts of gentrification, uh, but to build a stronger, better, and new systems. We realized in the work that, again, going back to, to what, what is your role? And for me, it, it is not necessarily protesting old systems, but building new ones so that those that do protest and are on the front line, once those systems, if those systems fall, the ones that are quite oppressive, the ones that are not ingrained in you know, generational work, uh, wealth and compassion and, and empathy, the total opposite of that, when those fall, if they even do fall, we have already built something or started building things that are empathetic, that are critical to a better way of life. So we are builders, uh, we are designers, and that's where makers comes from. I mean, yes, I'm a female-owned business, uh, but we make things. Uh, and so now it's how can we help communities not just make things, but really control the, the value chain from the raw material to the product so that you, you continue to have this flow of information and knowledge and resources. That's so interesting because on the one hand, you think that this is a kind of a real estate development, you know, finding mm -hmm. the, the available land, you know, and then constructing something on it using, you know, all manner of tools. And like you said, a, as a women-owned business, but it seems like there's these other principles that are driving this. You know, that the expression mm -hmm. is real estate and construction, uh, sure. but you're talking about a, a different kind of a purpose, aren't you? Yeah, exactly. And, and it is part of the purpose is, is about being the collective. And so usually when you're talking about you know, real estate development and even you know, architecture, landscape architecture, right? my background is landscape architecture. And so it's really looking at the entire ecosystem versus just the, the building itself. But that, that gives you the ability to look at things holistically and, and start to, to figure out the solutions that we want to make and create if that they make sure that they are grounded in this notion of connection and that, that, that they're grounded in this notion of empathy and they're grounded in this notion of the collective so that everybody can participate in how communities are made and designed, not just us telling people how to design their communities, but you're telling us how you want your communities to design and so that we all are part of the change that we seek versus you know, the opposite. It is very, to us, design is a very collaborative process. I think, especially women are natural builders anyway, community builders. And so how do we focus that on various aspects of what it means to literally design equity, design inclusion? So it's more than just the shipping containers. You're absolutely right, Mark. It's more than just, for us, it's more than just uh, modular construction. It's more than just construction. It's more than just development. We know land is important, but how do you, what do you do with it? And is it, is what you do with it in, inclusive and co cooperative? 
that's what we are all about. If it's extractive and exploitative, then that's not what we do. And unfortunately, that has been a hallmark of the manufacturing, construction, and real estate industry. It's very extractive, exploitative, and destructive. We're the total opposite. We want to be proactive and non-exploitative and definitely not destructive. We want to be as sustainable as possible. Mm. You know, I, one, I commend you. And I, (laughs) because even all of the words that you're using are so incredibly refreshing. And listeners, continue to come back to our podcast. Even in our next episode, we'll be continuing conversations about this conscious leadership and this idea that you can fulfill your own potential and achieve your own goals while doing good for the people and the planet. Kirsten, as we continue this conversation about IntelliKey, we have a sense that this is not just a key performance indicator like we tease each other about, but it really is a human potential indicator, isn't it? It really is. And it's so exciting. You know, you and I have talked about this idea of potential. Everything has a soul. A business has a soul. The earth has a soul. And even, Lynn, being in a conversation with you, that you can feel that something about the soul of what's coming is being elevated. There's an evolution that we're stepping into and it's being harnessed. And it's exciting because it's, it's here, but we haven't quite unfolded yet exactly what it's going to look like in the future. So listeners, please join our conversation. Go to your podcast player and leave us a review or comments or ratings. We'd really appreciate it. And of course, then join us again for our next episode of IntelliKey Leadership Stories. For Kirsten Gouldy, I'm Mark Stenson, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to our second season of IntelliKey Leadership Stories. Your host is Kirsten Gouldy with co-host Mark Stenson. This podcast is produced by BSB Media. You can listen anywhere in the world, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Amazon Music, Ghana, and iHeartRadio. Subscribe now so you won't miss an episode when we begin Season 3 of IntelliKey Leadership Stories.